Hey everyone, this is Nicole Ashley Fletcher and you're listening to chapter six of A Grafting Story. I got the chance to sit down with my friends, Casey and Anya, after a church service that we all participated in and, you know, we all huddled around his office desk to hear their story. Casey is a site pastor at Sanctus Church in Port Perry, uh, just north of the city of Toronto, and he spent the majority of his career before that in child protective services. His wife, Anya, is a nurse in the emergency department at CAMH, a mental health facility, and together they live with and help to raise Anya's younger brother, Ray Hart. Something that is consistent, I find, about adoption, fostering, and belonging stories are that they are always full of surprises. Casey and Anya certainly didn't expect to become parent figures to a teenager right after they got married, but they took what they called a no-brainer leap of faith and opened their home and their hearts. Sometimes we can forget that being a family doesn't always include a birth story at the beginning or legal government papers in the middle somewhere. I know you're going to enjoy listening into this conversation with two ordinary people who decided to say yes to God's invitation into the unknown. Many of us see adoption simply as a way some choose to grow their family here on earth But God sees adoption as our divine heritage. How every person who claims Jesus as Savior and Lord becomes a member of the bloodline of heaven itself and becomes grafted into his family tree. So while this is the oldest story of all time, it's becoming new all over again for us. May it become so for you, too. I'm Nicole Ashley Fletcher. Welcome to A Grafting Story, a retelling of God's adopted family and a new telling of ours. Hi, I'm Casey. And I'm Anya, and this is our grafting story. Okay, well, here we are, Casey. And yeah, thank you so much for your time. Love being with you guys. We were just in worship together mm-hmm. in Port Perry, Sanctus Church. So I feel like I'm already emotional <laughs> <laughs> just from our time together. But um, yeah, as we start the conversation, why don't you just talk a little bit about who you are, where, where you've come from, what you do, how long have you guys been married, what's going on new in your <laughs> life these days? All right. Well, I'm uh, Casey. I was... Uh, child protection worker for nine years, so I worked with uh, Durham Children's Aid, um, and then I became a pastor all of a sudden, and that's where I'm at now. Um, married to Anya for four years, and uh, yeah, we have um, a 15-year-old living with us, and we're excited about that, but we also have a newborn coming. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> So, yeah, you guys kind of have a unique story and uh, and perspective. And, I mean, obviously, Casey, I'd love to hear from you a little bit more mm-hmm. about um, what that's like. I mean, uh, Ryan and I are going through an adoption process yeah. now. Mm-hmm. And 
I mean, our worker has just been unbelievable. And, uh, you know, every once in a while, she'll kind of allude to different things or mm-hmm. tell little stories, things. And I just sometimes when she leaves, I just cry yeah. and think about um, just the reality of what working in that field is. And, um, yeah, and I, I, I mean, that just what that even... Uh, how that's informed your life now, how you see family, how you see God. Um, yeah, so just talk a little bit about working where you have worked in the past. Yeah, so once again, another God thing. I had no idea that's what I was going to do for my life for as long as nine years. Uh, I did see a lot of things in the neighborhood that I grew up in, um, but it didn't like motivate me to do that. Somehow I just found myself um, being used in that uh mm-hmm kind of environment and I did investigation so what that looked like that was uh, the first point of contact so if something had come in if there was any kind of concern uh, they would see me first which I really like because there is a really um, kind of negative stigma to investigators and Jones Aid and CAS those who are actually trying to help kids there is a very negative stigma to uh, the workers so I, I wanted to rewrite that kind of narrative um, so my like my visit and the way I I'm compassionate the way I can like uh, let them know that like I'm just a human with a job that's trying to hear their story out and uh, kind of way different perspective versus like the power or struggle of uh, families and workers. Yeah, so I experienced a lot of, um, yeah, I saw a lot of situations that I didn't ever see growing up. Um, and some people, I guess, will never see those things. Um, so that was tough. Um, but it never hindered me from wanting like, kids of my own or mm. wanting to take care of kids myself. Um, it kind of gave you the reality check that there's many kids that are in need, whether um, from the system or something that we could do through adoption or even fostering. Um, the biggest issue I think I saw there was like stability was like removed from a lot of these mm. kids. So stability was one of those things in the foster system that you could have two foster families to 20 to 30 uh, and then even in an adoption process, uh, I'm sure you know this as well, it's quite long. Yeah. So that process in itself requires more foster families to step up until that process is done. Uh, so you, you've seen a lot of teenagers and kids not really having that stable family environment. And, and right when they do, they get moved. Mm. Um, so that was one facet of like my job, just seeing those. But my actual role was to gather the information, see what their story is see what went wrong and see how the system and see how society, see how families can, can mm-hmm. help. Yeah. You know, it's so funny as you talk about that, um, you know, we were just in church together mm-hmm. and, and our pastor is, is preaching through, uh, Jonah mm-hmm. and, and just the reality of how desperately we all need the grace and the mercy of God. Mm-hmm. And I remember there were moments for me, if I'm just being honest, mm-hmm. <laughs> where, you know, when I, uh, when I gave birth to my daughter, Reagan, and really having kind of these expectations that, uh, well, not that it was going to be easy, but that I was going to know what to do, mm-hmm. that, um, you know, these instincts that I, I feel like I'm going to have. And, uh, and I went through a really hard time and the people around me 
were everything. Like I was just so thankful for the support that I had around me that kind of lifted me up and carried me through that time. And I just remember nights thinking to myself, man, like if I didn't have the support, like I don't know what I would have done. Yeah. And, and I'm sure, uh, yeah, because it's always easy to sort of say like, well, that's that person or that's somebody else. I would never do that. Or that could never happen to me yeah. or I would do it differently. But I think that, um, we can underplay the places that we grow up in, the supports that we have, mm-hmm. um, the, like the community that really comes around to lift us up. And when you see, I'm sure, uh, that not being in place, mm-hmm. yeah. how much that can impact a child and, I mean, a whole family, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, the support system was also the one of the things that, I, that was lacking. Like, a lot of these families didn't have supports. And, and yeah, we, we did just come from church and we we're openly able to talk about God's grace and like mm-hmm. the answers to that but when you work for like a, a mandated kind of government agency yeah. that's not exactly an option that you can just put out there yeah. so that was a struggle of that where I have an answer and I know mm-hmm. the answer to a lot of the of course not like the day-to-day um, kind of issues and problems but like the ultimate answer and like that's through our yeah. faith and, and God and the grace but yeah. that was also one thing I had to show without words so if that makes sense um which was like a nice challenge for me when I dealt with families going through mm-hmm. um, pain and, and trials and things like that. Yeah. Wow. And you, what was that like for you, walking with him as his wife? And how did that inform? I mean, I don't know, you know, boundaries of him not telling you things, or I know some other friends of mine who've worked in an industry like that and have had to kind of keep really strict boundaries around what you share because that can be emotional I'm sure um yeah well I work in mental health so as a nurse um in the emergency department at CAMH wow um it's interesting because you know I worked with the adults he worked with the kids mm-hmm. and a lot of times we would have to call CAS for children because you know their parents are abusing substances or their parents they're, they're neglecting their children um so I think um having his perspective um really helped me in my job it made me feel like you know CAS is there to help mm-hmm. and there are good workers out there like my husband and that there is hope that you know not everyone has to have like a bad experience and um so I think it made me like um see it in a more positive light mm-hmm. um yeah if that makes sense yeah and confidentiality and, and right. those things are the same for mental health and yeah so that, was, so that was easy to understand and we didn't really talk about work that much. Mm. It was it would be one of those like really difficult cases that you know we might debrief each other on, um, but it wasn't like an all the time. We tried not to take it home. Yeah, yeah. Which shows in other ways too, like not necessarily talking about it, but like we'll know if like we just don't want to deal with people right now or something like that. But uh, yeah, it was good that she's in a similar kind of field. Yeah, I would. I actually found myself in her hospital um, a few times just doing investigations there. So Mm -hmm. even though the jurisdiction was totally different, I still somehow found myself working in there. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. 
That's so cool. I didn't know that about you. (laughs) (laughs) Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like your job and what your passions are? Um, Yeah, so I've been at CAMH for uh, almost six years now. And I always wanted to be in like psychiatric emergency. I think because I really care about people's hearts and seeing like healing in that. And um, similar to Casey, it's hard being in that job because um, so many people are hopeless and uh, lost and you have the answer, but um, it's very like, uh, what's it called? Yeah, hard to kind of... You can't... Just talk about it. Talk about it. Yeah, there's definitely like boundaries, but it's interesting that Casey and I get excited about um, finding those opportunities where, you know, you can kind of sneak it in there, (laughs) throw it in there. You know, it's not often, but you know when it's like something safe to do and something that would really benefit someone. So that's always exciting. And just knowing that um, you can be a light in those really dark places um, makes it easier to be there on those like difficult days. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and then you know them by name, so like you don't have to do it right then and there, but like you can pray for them by name, knowing their name, knowing their story. So I think that was like a strategy that I I put on myself where it's like, all right, now I know their names, I can go home and pray for them or pray for them right in the car. Yeah. Like one thing you you would do is like you would stomp on their doorway. Not like dramatically or anything like that. But like in a powerful praying way, he'd be like... I would visualize that like, you know, God go before me, like Holy Spirit, as I walk in, like, you know, be with me. So when I go in there and leave there, that's Mm -hmm. what I leave behind. And then Mm -hmm. they go and seek it somehow. And I don't know the result of that, but I'm, I'm, you know, that's kind of what I felt to do at some point. Wow. Yeah. That's so powerful. It's a good image. Yeah. You stomping. Yeah, it's not as you guys are picturing. No, like stomping. In a a warrior, spiritual warrior way. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, both of you, not just professionally, you know, you can know about something, um, which is different than knowing it Mm -hmm. in an experiential way. And so both of you working with vulnerable people, Mm -hmm. um, how has that changed you? How has that changed the way that you are a wife and a husband and uh, a friend and a parent mm-hmm. how uh how do you think that that's changed you i think it's more uh, about like understanding that everybody has a story so um if ever we're going through something tough we can look around and know that there's chances are everybody in the room is going through some sort of story they have their own um and then we see it lived out through like our professional experience that it seems to be redundant sometimes, but if you really look at it, it's just what Anya said about like feeling hopeless and like there's nothing like out there. Um, so it's kind of like having a compassion for everyone that doesn't know um, that there is an answer. Um, but also in, in like a more practical way that we, we have found strategies to like find boundaries a lot better. Um, with people, with our own families, and because mm-hmm. um, that's a huge part of finding boundaries when you're an adult. It's like really hard because you start feeling bad and you start like feeling like you're doing something wrong. But through our, I guess our professions, we're able to establish those and be more intentional about establishing those. Yeah. Hello, for you. Yeah. <laughs> Ditto. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I guess that, that ties into why we were even, or how we ended up in the situation we're in now with, with mm-hmm. Andy's brother. And Yeah, tell know. me a little bit about that. I'd love to hear some of the story. And, uh, yeah, I get to see his shining face when mm-hmm. I come to Fort Perry. Yeah. And, yeah, so it's great. Yeah, I'd love He's to hear about that. Um, so I, my 15 year old brother is 12 years younger than me. And, um, so I kind of raised him when he was little too, just because I could take care of him and I really enjoyed it. I love my brother so much. Um, and I didn't ever, like, we never thought that this was going to happen Mm -hmm. where he was going to one day live with us. Um, but it was actually Casey's idea when the opportunity arose, um, my mom has been a missionary and so she's traveling very often and, um, my father has a business that he's very busy running as well. Um, so Rayhart was living with my grandparents who turned 80, like about two years after he'd been living with them for two years and then he was going to be starting high school. So during those two years, we were kind of talking about, you know, what's going to happen when he's going to go to high school. And they lived in BC. So we only got to see him like twice a year, which was really hard because we we're so close. And my dad didn't get to see him often. And it was really hard. Um, so we were really hoping for Rayhart to have that stability that we know is so, so important. Mm-hmm. And um, so we thought, oh, okay, maybe for four years of high school, he could come live with us because... Um, yeah, yeah, his grandparents were getting old and they're amazing with him. Yeah, they're But great. he's like high energy. And <laughs> he's a busy guy. <laughs> Even I could barely keep up with like, <laughs> his demands of like activities so we were thinking like as he gets older he's going to want to do more and like it's going to be more demanding on um yeah her grandparents their grandparents just being out there kind of without us so close um yeah so we were just thinking stability wise it made sense like we had a home we had rooms and now we're seeing that it wasn't as easy as it like it came out to be but we just kind of took the first step and said yes and we'll figure it out later Mm-hmm. Wow. So we're in the figuring out phase right now. <laughs> yeah. And we're in our second year of wow. take, taking care of him. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I love that. Um, yeah, it's funny. I think that sometimes we can plan for things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes we can't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there are some families who maybe have kin come into their home in different ways that were unexpected and yet uh yeah there's something for us like a gift for us Mm -hmm. in like you're saying you're in the process of it now and so I'm curious like you know what are some of the things in in the in-between in the moments that have felt really hard I think the whole thing is hard (laughs) (laughs) the whole thing is hard in the sense that um like Rare is an amazing kid. We never have to deal with challenges that I, he would think some parents would deal with in teenage ages and um, that kind of youth uh, demographic. So it's mm-hmm. not challenging in that sense. It's challenging in, in areas that we kind of knew but didn't put any focus on. Like um, for instance, just practical things of we both work and sometimes like feeling bad if we can't take him certain places. 
as easy teenagers so he's got like basketball like soccer jazz band swimming volunteering and then yeah so and then we have our own lives too but um balancing that that part is not one of the harder parts i think um and i can speak to this as well as the co-parenting part of the aspect mm-hmm. of the whole thing um that's a bit of a challenge because we're not his parents but we are his caregivers and we do see him day to day and we know um yeah we know his emotions and how they they are and we know how to like we do know how to take care of certain situations that he's in but when we're next to say like a parental you know parental role an actual like his mom or dad um we're put in a situation where we don't really know where we stand um so that's tough and yeah like i said we we chose this um you know it was simple because we love Ray Hart and he's, he says things like, you know, he dreamed all his life to have a backyard and we have a backyard. So, it's, uh, so one year I got him a piece of grass before he moved in and he loved it and it was, so now we can, yeah. So it was those kind of things that allowed us to be like, yeah, this is the right thing to do. Like there's no question. Yeah. Figuring it out is different, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the first year it was really hard for me because I wanted everything to be perfect for him. And, like, you know, I didn't, uh, you know, when you have a baby, you, like, might read some parenting books and you can get ready. But I just, you know, um, didn't really think of that. And being, like, a sister and a parental role is really complicated because you want to be cool and fun. But then when you have to tell them to do chores or go to bed, then that's kind of different. And so just learning how to balance that and um, has been like an ongoing process for me. But the first year I, I, yeah, was just like trying to be perfect. And when I messed up or I felt like I wasn't doing good enough, I would be really hard on myself. And um, so, but this year, thankfully, I've kind of cut myself some slack and realized that I'm going to mess up and... I just have to be honest and real with him that like, you know, we're doing our best and um, that's all we can do. But realizing that we really can't do this on our own and that we need God to help us to figure it out. So that's been a huge learning curve. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's been tough in that sense where um, we also have our own way of raising him even though we have no experience of that versus like his mom or dad will that want to raise him and just by proximity and by time we have more of that so we have a certain rhythm we have a certain routine and we have a certain way where we're really happy and he's doing things the way he's used to with us because we are like pretty close to age with him Mm -hmm. versus his parents so in some ways it's looked at like we're just doing what's yeah what's cool or what's um what fun we would want our parents what to we do would want, yeah, yeah. Um, and then like we would have to have the challenge of uh, a different kind of traditional way of doing things from his mom and dad and mm. um for him it must be very confusing yeah yeah that would be the tough part mm. I think a lot of uh, people who have a foster experience would resonate mm. a lot to what you're saying. Mm. This in between mm-hmm. of 
Uh, and even, you know, both of you talking about how you know, knowing, really knowing how important stability is. And, you know, there's so much research about that, about how, like, if you don't have a stable, secure base, then all those other things, especially when you're growing up, I mean, growing up is crazy. It's mm-hmm. so yeah. much work and all of those things of identity and making good decisions and having freedom to be yourself and make friends and be creative. I mean, all those things mm-hmm. um, come out of a place of stability it's yeah. like the home base right yeah and so just that you know, it's so clear that you guys are willing to forego a neat and tidy situation mm-hmm. for the benefit of giving somebody the gift of stability so that they can grow up into a functioning whole person mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> right yeah. it's amazing yeah. thank you <laughs> Yeah, it's great. It's it's really great that the whole situation is a good thing. We're not we wouldn't change what we did or said or got ourselves in, but there is uh, realities to the yeah. whole thing. How are some of the ways, um, you know? So when you talk about uh, like the differences in parenting or things, and and how how to protect, you know, like the honor that you have for uh, for your parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or the different ways that you would parent and how to honor um, your parents? Like, what, what are some things that you have done or that you do do? Yeah, the, the, the key line that you said there is the protecting the honor of your parents. I think we are generally, like, respectful to that. Like, we, mm-hmm. that's something we prioritize. We'll never disrespect um, them, like, directly in the sense that, like, we won't overstep those right. boundaries. But we also want to establish like our own way of things in our own home. Um, but it's also different for me because Rayhard is Anya's brother. So technically, we're talking about the same parents when we say parents. These are also Anya's parents. Right. So there's also the dynamic of myself like on the outside of that. Like I'm parenting a child who like is used to Anya and her family's way of doing things. And... Yeah, there's so many examples of what that looks like, whether that's through a faith base of whether we see things done the same on a faith journey or if there's something different that we do. Those are challenging parts where he's so used to the way, um, like, for instance, how church would be or um, bedtime and things like that I didn't grow up with, but Anya did grow up with. Mm. So not only is the parenting balance there, like, Anya was a child of the parents, the same parents, the same rules. Mm-hmm. So it's it comes in ties with how we want to parent at the end of the day, like what we decide we want. And I guess using this as practice. Yeah. Yeah. And some we've realized that like a lot of our discussions or arguments wouldn't exist if we didn't have, you know, like another topic or another mm-hmm. problem to solve. And that just comes with, like, more responsibility, having a child, you know, in the house. You have to make those decisions. But I think we've really grown closer and stronger and probably, like, sooner than we expected because, you know, usually um, it's gradual. You know, you have an infant and then you deal with those issues at the time. And then, you know, but we kind of skipped those parts and 
jump directly. Yeah. You know. Which is like insane in its own way because we're picking up something that like, like he's used to being raised a certain way, and then all of a sudden we're raising him some like a different way. So we're mindful of that, and we're getting all the amazing positive things of those, and we're changing the things that is like, hey, you don't have to think like that. You don't have、mm-hmm. to be hard on yourself. You don't always have to win. You don't always have to like. There's certain things that he was raised, and so we're rewriting those things.、Um, But yeah, it's very different to to feel like you're a brother, parent, sister, friend at all at the same time, but not really the parent. Yeah. 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 How has that played a part in informing your faith? Like, what part of your faith, or what part has faith had in your life in doing this leap of faith? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would say like the relying on God part, where it's. For sure, the thing that makes all of this work is that we all share the same faith. Yeah. So、um, it would be a lot more difficult if, like, Rayhard's parents and Anna's parents were of a different belief system of faith.、Um, obviously, the details are very different, but ultimately, we are following the same God and following like the same、um, umbrella of grace, and so that makes the whole thing、um, possible. Like, this would not be possible, I think. Or this would be a lot harder if that wasn't there and didn't exist.、Mm-hmm. Um, but also, it makes us accountable. Like now, I know there's a set of eyes in the house that will see how I talk to、um, Anya, how I talk to him, how I、uh, resolve conflict, how I speak to his parents, and those are ways to kind of allow him to know what it's like to be a man of God.、Um, so there's a lot of pressure in some ways, but it's also good accountability、um, to know that there's somebody there that's. Gonna make decisions based on how he sees me make decisions. Yeah. 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 That reminds me a lot of you know even when you were talking about being,、uh, you know, working with Children's Aid and not being able to always speak about your faith, but having these practical opportunities to be who you are, to、mm-hmm. be a man of God, and to help people to rewrite the narratives、mm-hmm. there that you're having、um, a similar experience in your own home. Yeah, yeah, and it's、uh, also like we don't always want to make him feel like this is something that is hard. Like this was a very easy decision, and that's like the bottom line. Like、mm-hmm. he needs to know that it's a no-brainer that we wanted him.、Mm-hmm. Um, so we we're also careful in having discussions that make that seem the opposite. Where it's like,、mm-hmm. um, yeah, like our life has changed because of you, but it's changed in a really good way.、Um, but. It's it's tough in those situations, maybe for him to feel that way. If we're always talking about how kind of difficult it is to have him, he knows that he's very smart and he's he knows he's very aware. He's watching everything,、mm. and so it's it's easy to raise him in that way because he's、uh, such a great follower of like God and he's got such a strong faith himself. So in some ways, we don't have to do a thing. Yeah.、Uh, yeah. Well, what's actually really cool is that his faith is really encouraging to me. And I I feel really blessed by that, and you know, coming down, seeing him do devotions before school, it's just like, all right, I need to get on that, <laughs> you know. But it's really cool how how、um, he he's teaching us so many things and inspiring us. And something that we didn't do before was like family devotions because it was just the two of us. <laughs> But now we. Try to incorporate that into like our daily life, 
you know, doing family devotions and... Yeah, um, and that, that's a good example of, like, how uh, he was raised and I was raised and Anya was raised, like, family devotions for all of us is, like, if we all grew up Christian, it's very different. Um, for me, it wasn't really a great experience, so I'm not, like, super excited about doing it all the time. <laughs> but, uh, but just knowing that, like, it provides value when we're together and do that. But also to show them that, like, it's not something that it's a checklist that you have to do every single day. And if we miss it, nobody's going to get in trouble. Mm -hmm. I think those are, like, part of my background where I want to show that because that was my experience. Um, So that's, like, a perfect example of, like, the layers of his um, upbringing and Anya's upbringing and mine being mixed in and executing in a form like, yeah, we'll do family devotions when we're together. But nobody's got to do it. We want to do it. Yeah. Oh man, I just need to like take a second to take <laughs> yeah, all sure. that in. <laughs> no, it's, it's good because we don't normally get asked these things. So it's like yeah. really cool that we get to, yeah, even pause and reflect on how it's going. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think that um, one of the things that I've been like reflecting a lot on mm-hmm. is how... Um, and there's lots of different commentaries and books around, you know, how the Western church kind mm. of either idolizes the family unit yes. or doesn't understand how significant and important it is. And that under Christ, we get this new reframing mm. that, you know, through, I don't know, media and everything or, or our own ideas of what we want our own families to look like. Um, kind of neat and tidy and packaged and that when you think about the family of God that like we're really different than that yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. we're such a mess yeah. and and yet that um, I mean like the gospel shows us that we get resurrection through the cross like that there is this other way to get to this new joy that um, is so much greater than like an earthly happiness or an earthly idea of what we think we want Mm -hmm. and yeah so I'm curious just out of all of the hard stuff um yeah like if you hadn't said yes like how would your lives be different um or how would uh yeah, how would that have changed the way that you see God or family now that as like you're about to welcome a new baby into your family, you know, just that, um, oh, what's a, a better way to, to ask this question? What am I trying to say? Well, yeah, I think what you're saying is that um, based on um, what we're learning through all of this and like if we didn't say yes, I think God, God's way of doing things is shown in, in, in my life and Anna's life where this is just another one of those things that you have to trust first and then um, then kind of figure it out. Same with the job that I ended up in, like Jones Aid, same with being a pastor, and then same with like being like a father figure to like a teenager right after getting married. Um, like it's, you have such a plan in your head and then then God has a different plan. And I think what you you do first is like you say yes and and then you trust that God will, will pull through like it's not something that we ever plan to do um, mm-hmm. but God knew that our hearts were always like we had this certain love for this like kids and mental health and um, situations of like instability so it was when you look back at it you see like the whole picture was already being framed like a long time ago yeah but it's hard to say that in a time where uh 
you know, I have my own plans and then I have to go drop them to drive Ray Hart. Like, it's just like, <laughs> but when you sit back and you take a look, it's like, yeah, God's orchestrated. And it's so clear that like none of this would have been in my own mind or my own thoughts, mm-hmm. but it's like the best case scenario. Like, how could we sit here knowing that we potentially like, kind of like saved a, a life in this way? Like it's the alternative is a scary one, but mm-hmm to know that we are so fortunate to be part of like seeing Ray Hart and the impact he'll have on others because we provided such a temporary space for stability. Mm-hmm. He's got his whole life ahead of him. That's right. And we've set him up, um, yeah, through God using us that now we'd, we'd be so honored to be part of like the people he impacts. When you think about welcoming this baby into the world, mm-hmm. into your household, um, how does Ray Hart play into that for you in your own mind or yeah having him a part of this in your family well it's really special to have him a part of it and um, he's excited and what's really cool is like how he's such a deep thinker and when he was asked like oh how do you feel about like having a new baby in the house he said um I just can't believe that, like, we get to shape this person and mold them into the person they're going to be. And I was like, Mm -hmm. what? You're 15? (laughs) I didn't even think of that. (laughs) You know? So, um, I mean, we have no idea what that's going to look like, really. But I'm excited to, like, be home with him more, you know? Like, I'm really looking forward to that because... Sometimes work like being away um, at work for like fourteen hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I miss out on a lot. Like, oh man, I wish I could have dinner with them every day, or I wish I could drive him to soccer, but I can't because I'm at work. So, um, it it's exciting to me that like with this time off, I'll have time to be with him more too, and with our baby. Yeah, yeah. and he's exceptional with like the things that we need to focus on normally when the baby comes like he'll be the one to allow us to focus more on the baby so he can take care of our dogs and do those kind of things so cook you a couple meals yeah he's gonna be a really big help (laughs) yeah so it was an investment in some ways (laughs) (laughs) wow well just as we end this conversation like you know when you think about all these things and I mean, there are are people listening who maybe are on the cusp of their own acts of obedience or wondering, um, yeah, you know, like, I'm not prepared for this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This wasn't a part of my plan. Um, Is there anything on your heart or on your mind to share? Yeah, you're going to find yourself saying, why why would I say yes to this? (laughs) And down the road, if I had just said no, my life would be easier. But that's not always the case. We don't know that. And I think, um, yeah, I think the act of saying yes or trusting is is a good form of, like, exercising the fact that, like, it, it does require great faith to, to trust somebody. And mm-hmm. when we sing songs and say that, like, I trust God and uh, we sing worship songs, God's good, those things, we have um, ways that we can really show that. And I think opportunities where you don't know what's next is the best way to show God that, hey, like, I actually really do trust you, so I'm going to say yes. Um, 
it sounds crazy and I still I still say that today where how am I where am I at right now how am I doing what I'm doing and I look back and it's because I said yes to the first thing and then I said yes to the next thing um and yeah like it's never been a case where he wasn't faithful but I do feel insane sometimes for doing that (laughs) um but ultimately it's it's a place where I know God wants me to be so it's such good confirmation after the fact it's not always going to feel like that. It's not always going to feel like, um, I'm glad I said yes. A lot of times it's, it's going to feel the opposite. Um, but then you see God work through that so much more than a smooth sailing process sometimes. And um, <laughs> having Casey as my husband just reminds me like of the importance of choosing the right person, choosing the right spouse, because... I definitely couldn't have done this with someone who, you know, couldn't be a good role model and couldn't, um, like, be the example that I want him to be to my brother. And that was really important to me when I was choosing a spouse. Mm -hmm. So I think, like, being obedient to God um, from the beginning, from, like, choosing a spouse um, and who you're going to marry is so important because it ripples into like your future um and ripples into eternity and so yeah that's really key too for me yeah yeah well i mean i should like catch up with you guys in a year from now yeah yeah we should (laughs) see see how it's part two see how all of this has continued just like you said to um bring you to places you could have never imagined or known to even choose mm-hmm. on your own. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks for asking these things. Oh, yeah. 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 Thank you for being with us today. Okay. Aren't they the sweetest couple you have ever heard? I mean, I knew them a little bit, but I just feel so privileged that I got to listen in to a little bit of their story and even just to be challenged in my own life to say yes, especially as someone who likes to have a lot of things mapped out and a lot of things pre-planned. I mean, you should see my adoption binder. (laughs) I mean, it's like perfect. And yet, even in this process, you know, we can forget that there's a lot of faith required to say yes when we don't know, to say yes when we don't understand, to say yes when we're not quite sure how this is going to turn out or how hard it's going to be or what the days ahead are going to look like or how we're going to get through that. And isn't that life, though? (laughs) Isn't that faith? Isn't that the adventure that we get to have uh, following in step with the Spirit? So I have a lot to think about for myself out of this. A couple of things that really stood out to me was just that really difficult in-between place. You know, if you're a foster parent, if you are a kin family, if you, um, you know, have incredible influence over a young person, uh, or maybe you are a young person and you feel like you don't really know who is uh, the person who has the authority in your life, that can feel like a really in-between place. And... And I think that that's really important to just recognize, you know, there aren't always easy answers to things. There aren't always really neat and tidy, you know, quotes that we can post online or on a pin board. Um, Sometimes it just feels 
like the middle. Sometimes it just is a little bit complicated. And so I'm, I'm reminded in this conversation that that is the reality for many of us. And I think that there's great wisdom uh, to be gleaned in those seasons and just real humility. But more than anything, what I heard from my two friends is just their dependence on God, not their dependence on their own understanding. Um, yeah, that's what I'll take away from, from this, among many other things. But just as a side note, as we ended recording, there was one other thing uh, that Casey and Anya had mentioned on their way out that uh, was sort of um, you know a fun sort of throwaway story in the moment, but actually is really, really important. And I just wanted to share it with you because I think there's something in it for us. So Casey had talked a little bit about that he, uh, you know, transitioned from his job um, in children's aid to become a pastor, which was kind of an unexpected job for him. And uh, I found out in this conversation with my friends that it was actually out of a conversation that he had with Ray Hart in the car. Casey uh, mentioned about this job posting for this pastor job, uh, kind of, you know, in a casual way. And Ray Hart said, well, why not you? And I just think that it's such a beautiful thing. <laughs> you know, when you think about the impact that you're having on a young life, that Ray Hart had had this day in and day out opportunity to see this man of God in his home. And he'd seen him make decisions, love his wife, uh, shepherd their household, and I don't know, probably make mistakes and apologize, I would assume. <laughs> He's a regular human person. And so then thinking about who would be a good shepherd for the house of God? Well, that was a no-brainer to him. And that's a real lesson for us as people of faith. Uh, if you are a leader in the church, I mean, the way that we shepherd and lead uh, in small ways, Jesus says in the parable of the talents, you know, uh, if you're faithful with little, then I will give you more. And so... Uh, today, would we be faithful uh, with whatever it is that God has given us, uh, the people and the precious relationships he's given us to steward and to cultivate, uh, to bring him glory and um, to inform and to influence every other uh, sphere that we have been given by God. And would every yes of obedience open doors of joy, and love, and more of God's glory than we could have ever imagined. Thanks for listening in today. I hope you learned something new and felt encouraged along the way. If you are interested in hearing more, subscribe and leave a review so the content and message of this story can be found by other curious listeners. I'd also love to connect with you about any questions to share resources or to hear your grafting story. So send me a message. You can do that online. I'm on Instagram at Nick Fletch or NicoleAshleyFletcher.com. But more than any of that, please share this personally with anyone you know who might need to hear it. 
I'll be praying for you as you do. I hope to be with you again very soon. And until then, bye for now.